Who's your daddy? Boom! We are off with another episode of Booze Your Daddy, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Snyder, here with my new friend, Nicolette. Good morning or good afternoon, Nicolette. Hi, good afternoon. I'm so pleased for this opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you. It's very nice to have you. And I kind of specify that because you are coming from, is it halfway across the world in Southern Africa? And I am in New York City. So our timelines are completely off right now, which makes things a little difficult for recording, but I'm excited to talk to you. I'm not so excited to drink so early in the morning, but that's a part of the show. And I do what I can for my podcast listeners. You know what? I am so grateful that you have made the sacrifice to start drinking so early in the morning just to be with me. Oh my God. You rolled your eyes like I I'm a frat boy, which I am, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, um, I guess a, a lot of our friends here, we kind of, when we look at the time, it's like, oh, oh dear, we want to drink. Should we start drinking? And I have one friend who's like, the stomach has no opening hours. Yeah, but the bars have opening hours. Ugh. Antiquated rules and regulations and all of that. I generally keep a loose rule for me. I try not to start before noon. I mean, I will go out with friends and arrive. You know, I'm a big fan of American football and I'll get to the bar at 11.55 and I'll generally sit around for a couple of minutes just as my own mental, this isn't good for you type of thing. I know there's beer o'clock, wine o'clock, five o'clock, whatever you want. Unless I'm doing an event or something, like if we go to a sports game and you get there early, yeah, then I'll do it. But for the most part, I generally have a hard rule, no noon, but because you and I are on different time zones, the sacrifices I must make today. Such a sacrifice. Such <laughs> a very hard sacrifice. I think we're going to be good friends by the end of this, but at least at first, we differ very much on our preferred alcoholic beverages. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you tend to be very knowledgeable about something that I know pretty much nothing about. I want to start the show off by having a drink with you. You showed me already. You are drinking a lovely glass of... I am drinking a Pinotage. Actually, it's by a very reliable vineyard called Douglas Green. Pinotage is basically one of my favorite varietals of wine. Um, I guess if you were to compare it to people that you date, because that's what I did with my wine book, because my friends could not understand wine to save their lives. I'll talk to them about it, but forget everything I've said. I was like, let me um, compare it to people that you would date. So Pinotage is that person that everyone falls in love with in high school, a student, cheerleading squad. I mean, absolutely brilliant sports. Everything speaks at least five languages. That's basically what I'm drinking. It's, but but then what happens after? What well, happens? no, the present day is pretty much that way for the rest of their lives. They're high achieving, successful. That's the woman that, you know, you want man or woman that you want to take to events, functions. You're proud to have them on your arm. You tell everyone about them. That's the Pinotage. So it basically sounds like a Pinot Allen is what you're describing right yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know, Allen. You're wearing a t-shirt. I don't know if you qualify. As this a is a, it has long sleeves. I am... <laughs> yeah, totally. The sleeves also come with a hidden collar and a tie, I'm sure. I have nothing up my sleeves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Just notice there's nobody behind the curtain. Wait, hold on. If I would have showed up to this podcast wearing a full-blown tuxedo at 10 o'clock in the morning, what would you have thought of me? I would have thought, geez, this guy is super organized and intense. And look at him Sunday morning all dressed up. Mm, I want some of that organized. Okay. That, that, I actually mm -hmm. am a very organized person. I have notes. Mm -hmm. I have, I'm very organized, but as far as a tux in the morning, which I used to own one because I bartended for a little bit at a, a theater, you know, where they have performances and then people come out during intermission and I had to wear a tux mm -hmm. when I first started and quickly got rid of that. The cummerbund is not very flattering. I tell you. 
Oh, you know, women do kind of have a thing sometimes for men that dress up. All right. Well, I will make sure the next time if we ever speak, I will be in my Sunday best. <laughs> that, that would kill me. That would absolutely kill me. I'll laugh so much if you do that. Yes. I would say if I was to describe you as a wine, you come off as a Merlot. I'm a Merlot. Um, that is not a nice thing. Like you're the Merlot of people. No, Merlot, when I describe it in the wine book, it's somebody who's dependable, fun to be around with, easy to relate to. You just never want enough of them. It's just, it's just you want more and more and more of them every time. Yeah, until you vomit, which I also have that effect on people sometimes. Yeah, that's more of a Shiraz or a Syrah. <laughs> but we'll get into that a bit later. We, we definitely will. So you said, mo- I, I was curious on the spelling of Pinotage. Is it T-A-J? T-A-G-E. T-A-G-E. Very nice. I Well, I'm definitely going to make a point to try some of that. I've never even heard of that type of wine. I have heard of most of the basic bitch wines out there. No, that's funny. So then if most people want to date in high school a Pinotage, then what's the bad boy of wines? Because that's essentially what girls okay. really like. Okay. The bad boy of wines is the Shiraz or Syrah, depending on where you are in the world. Now, the reason why I call it the bad boy or girl of wine is because this wine is going to use you and leave you. This is the person who is moneyed up. They don't care whether you're upset that they don't return your phone calls or not. They don't care if you're getting emotionally attached. They have their way with you and then they're gone. And the reason why I say that about the Shiraz is because, you know, when you drink it and it goes down your throat, you know, it goes into your mouth and it's like, oh, this is very pleasant. And then afterwards, there's almost this intense bite on your tongue. It's like, ow, where did that come from? So that's why uh, I call it that. What about the people that like being bit? Just saying. Well, the people that like being bit would probably like Shiraz. Um, I tend to feel like it's a type of wine that I don't really drink unless I feel like I'm a boss and I'm having a good day and I'm taking over the world. And it's like, you know what? I can definitely do a Shiraz today. Yeah, boss Nikki, let's go. That is awesome. <laughs> I would get kinkier, but I would just go, which is the wine that people who like to be choked? So which wine would somebody choke on? Hmm. I think for many people that'll be a Cab Sav, I think it's one of the driest reds. When I compare it to someone you date, it's older person, much older, very experienced in the world, very knowledgeable. You know, they've got a thing or two to teach you and uh, to help you discover about yourself. So who knows, maybe you'll discover that you like being choked. I know some people that do. Anyways, let's take this back to a little more PG-13 for a little bit. I haven't had a chance to crack my wine. And now part of something that I appreciate about beers is the actual cracking of the beer. And if I'm going to suffer through a wine today, I got something and I'm curious if you hate me or love me, but I got wine in a can. House wine made by some com- human rights campaign. And for every case of limited edition rosé bubbles sold, they donate $2, which I guess that's not the most give back, but it's something. And uh, I was curious, And am I allowed to drink this out of the can? But I did bring a glass if I need to. So what are your thoughts so far? I, I don't know. I've never encountered wine in a can. I feel like they're box wines. And I tend to look at box wines with the side eyes like, oh, coming out of box. So um, I, I would prefer it if you did drink it off of the glass just to make me feel a little bit better. Listen, wine people are very pretentious, so I thought that I should bring a glass, and for the first time ever on my show, I will drink wine out of a glass for you, Nicolette. So let me first... special. There we go. God, it even pops like a soda. Yeah. All right, we're pouring this in here. Oh, look at that beautiful pink bubbly. I am so classy right now. Yeah, baby. Oh my God, I literally feel like just running away from the camera right now. I I suppose it's 
fine. I mean, um, rosé, I mean, it depends. I mean, taste it. Tell me if it's sweet or if it's dry, um, because they do tend to be different types of rosés. I tend to say in my book that a rosé is kind of like that really young, sweet, innocent person that you date. And you're like, I think this person's too young for me. And then you're like, uh, well, well, I mean, you know, they're kind of being persistent. You know, what's 20 years difference? And then now when it comes in the drier type of rosé, it's not sweet at all. That's the one, you know, where you think the person's going to be sweet and then you break up with them and then they burn all your clothes. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, before I can take a sip of it, I have to say cheers to you, my dear. It was so, so, so much thanks for being on the show here. What do you say in Southern Africa? Cheers, Lachayim? I don't know. Say cheers. Cheers. All right. Cheers to you, Nicolette. <laughs> Cheers to us. I actually really like it. Oh, God, that's really good because it's somewhere in the middle. But I didn't smell it. I didn't do the whole wine thing. Mm. I have to say, I am such a rookie when it comes to wines for me. I usually say mm-hmm. I can't really tell the difference between red and white. I mean, even when looking at it, I know if it's like sweeter or drier, but the difference between all the reds, I'm not so good with. So you wrote a book, which I'm very curious to hear a little bit. Now, if your whole book is all about comparing wine to different men or people that you date, I guess women as well, that sounds great. I hope there's a chapter in there. But I guess I'm curious how you became such a wine connoisseur and what made you write your book? Okay. I wrote my book as a way to decompress after doing my MBA. I did my MBA long distance. This was scholarship. And throughout the entire process of studying, I was like, I wish I was doing anything else except the study. So as soon as I finished my exams, I sat down over three days and I thought, you know what, I'm tired of having to drink with people that don't understand wine and I'm tired of having to explain the same things over and over. So I'm actually just going to you know, put together really short guides they can understand it. I mean, it's so short. If you're a fast reader, you can basically get through it in like an hour and a half. Basically make it so understandable that by the time you finish reading the book, you'll literally be confident enough to walk out of your house, go to a liquor store and pick your first bottle of wine. I know how to do that. I go in, I find a bottle of red that's the cheapest and that's what I get. Um, cheap is not necessarily a bad thing. By the way, I always tell people that you shouldn't uh, measure the quality of a wine based on the price because sometimes you can have a really expensive bottle of wine and think that you know it's going to be great because it's cheap but then it's not i recently saw a post on twitter where i think a bunch of wall street guys went to a restaurant and they ordered a bottle for two thousand dollars and then they couldn't tell the difference when they actually served a bottle of 18 dollar wine you can get a lot of great wines and bargains you know on wines that are more affordable or even cheap i mean i've had amazing five dollar wines yeah the, the problem is there are so many types and I don't know. There's a famous chef, uh, Joe Bastianich. He's on like all the cooking shows and whatever. And he has a bunch of restaurants here in New York City. I went, I guess it'd be two years ago for my girlfriend's birthday to this high-end restaurant called Del Posto. Super, super fancy. So stuffy. I hated it. I hated it. And they, we sit down, we had some cocktails. And then I wanted to order a bottle of wine. And they brought me over an iPad. How many pages on this iPad do you think? And it was written pretty normal font. How many pages of wine do you think was on this iPad? Because I want you to think of a number and then triple it. And then triple it again and then triple it again. Because that's how many pages. Take, just take a wild guess. Uh, I'm guessing oh, about 10. 10 pages? Yeah. Over 2,000 pages in this iPad of different wines. Wow. I was like, dude, I don't know. what's." The-. So what I had to do was start taking pictures of the pages when I got to a wine that went, oh, that's under $100. I will maybe do that. And then they brought me to Somalia and I'm just like, hey, buddy. I'm-. And he was the only like down to earth person in the mm-hmm. restaurant. And I turned to him. I said, hey, man, can you just pick me out like a bottle of red? They goes, I'll just get you the house red. I was like, done. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So. Mm-hmm. When did you start drinking wine? Like, I'm a beer guy. I've been drinking beer my whole life. When did you like, what was your first glass? 
my first glass was uh, St. Clair's. It was a rosé. Um, I started drinking wine when I was about 25. I actually didn't drink until I was about 25, except maybe one or two episodes of mischief during high school. I've never really been the type of person who needed alcohol to have fun or to mix the tea together. So actually, when I started drinking wine, it was part of me saying, you know what, I want to learn about this. There seems to be a significant culture around it. So I am actually going to do the research. And then, you know, I'm going to get the glass. I'm going to get one, two, three bottles. And then I'm going to take the time to actually just taste slowly but surely. So yeah, I'd say about 25, really. I mean, you look super young. If you would have told me you were 24, I would have believed it. So I'm not going to ask a woman her age. The flattery of it all. (laughs) You know, it's important also because you have to keep in shape and then you drink wine and beer and you have to exercise more. You know, that's a part of it. Right. That evil word, exercise, X, X. Oh my God, you're hysterical. So for my job, I generally, you know, I'm getting people who are in bad places, you know, out of bed, walking, out of pain. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, that's like every few words. Oh my God, out of bed. Oh, moving around. Oh, oh, <laughs> my blood pressure's already rising. <laughs> no, actually, I started jogging this week because I'm, I'm basically like your average couch potato. So this week I was like, I'm going to start jogging. Wait, who, told, who said that you're like I am? I never said I'm a couch potato. No, well, you're obviously a, a physiotherapist, so obviously you're active and let's move around and let's feel these muscles and let's get them working. And my muscles are like, bitch, no, we don't want to move. Move to where? Why? We don't need that. We don't need that negativity. 2020 is already hard. Why do you want to move us around? So. <laughs> That, well, I think that's awesome. Now, when you say about getting into wines at a younger age, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar here, obviously with Whole Foods, but they sell something called two buck chuck. Have you ever heard of this? It's actually, they raised their prices to three buck chuck, but that was like the big wine in high school because you could get a bottle of it for $2. That sounds like chaos. That sounds like mischief. That sounds like a reason for the apocalypse to begin. I mean, it's what people did. I I don't think I ever really got into it until like it was a thing. I was like, all right, I want to try it. I'm one of those people when something happens, if something's big enough, I want to try it. I want to know what the big deal is. Uh, But uh, that wasn't what I was into. So I was like, eh, whatever. I don't really care so much. But I think it's so weird how like young people get into like beer of all things. I think maybe it's like a cultural thing because like my experience with beer is very, very limited. In fact, um, during the COVID lockdown here, uh, because the government locked us down proper, proper for about seven weeks. That felt like a little shot at me right there. Being in America, was was that a anti, yeah, we actually take care of our people. Oh, yeah, no, we do. We take care of our people. I mean, I was I was talking to another friend in the U.S. and I was like, guys, you know, there's certain stuff you guys want me to do that I can't do for another project because we're under COVID restrictions. You know, if you're caught not wearing a mask in public, you know, that would be the equivalent of a $500 fine, you know, or you spend, you know, a few days in jail. So what do you want to do? Do you want to put on a mask? Do you want to go to jail? You know, it's really crazy. But during the, the lockdown here, the government, we were um, one of only two countries in the whole world where they actually banned alcohol sales, okay? What? So then now, yep, they banned alcohol sales. So none of us were actually able to get any access to alcohol at all. So then obviously the people who do sell alcohol, then it was a thing of, you know, you're getting like beer at like triple the prices. It, it almost became a thing where like, 
even when the lockdown was over and we were able to move around, they still hadn't lifted the alcohol ban. So we still had like a situation where, um, you know, people were kind of running around trying to get booze. And so there were basically two solutions. It was either you make your own booze, which there were a lot of recipes flying around on social media for that. Or you um, you basically bought this alcohol at this really, you know, huge price. And the only thing that was available in many cases was beer. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm actually going to have to torture my palate. Oh, my God. This conversation, you know what? It's been a great time, everybody. Thank you for listening. Download our <laughs> I will not. Okay. I will. Okay. If you don't prefer beer, we can do this. But if you slander my favorite sports teams or beer, we're done, Nicolette. That's it. Oh, God. Oh, God. It, it was something else. I mean, I, I remember we had. We have a beer here called Castle. Uh, one of my friends only drinks Heineken. So I had had experience with kind of like tasting Heineken. And then there's the Castle Light. And it was like, ugh. so all you have is Castle Light? I was at my friend's house. And she was like, yep. And I was like, fine, I'm just going to drink this Castle Light. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm drinking beer. I can't believe I'm drinking beer. But there is one beer that I like. It's a craft beer. It's made in South Africa. Um, there's a place in South Africa called Soweto. It's, it's a township. And um, a lot of things happened in Soweto in terms of apartheid, you know, that's where, you know, Nelson Mandela and a lot of the heroes used to live. And there's a craft beer there called the Soweto Gold, which is actually quite okay. I mean, it's not perfect because I believe no beer is perfect. There's a quote, actually, that's in my book. Beer is made by men and wine is made by God. Oh, you know, I've actually heard that. There's What's the other famous line? I think it's like a Benjamin Franklin line. It's like if God, what's the what's the line? You know, um, it's um, the the Benjamin Franklin one is wine is a sign that God loves us and wants us to be. No, the line is beer. It was not wine. No, it was not beer. <laughs> I think. Wait, you just changed the quote from one of our founding fathers. Oh my God, that is hysterical. That's really good. No, I, I actually do like that saying. I actually like Heineken. Heineken is very high up there on my list of beers that, look, I, I'm not a snob, okay? I drink mm. on football Sundays. I drink Bud Light, Coors Light, whatever I have. I'm not that person to, I know, I'm not that person to, I won't drink this. My nose is in the air. Now, if I have mm. the choice of getting a good beer, a craft beer, something good, I will prefer mm. two or three good beers versus 12 crappy beers. Mm -hmm. That being said, you know, you have to be able to change with the times a little bit, you know, and I don't know. I was just going to say, I like Heineken. Heineken is one of my, I'm at a bar. They have a limited menu. If Heineken's on there, I don't hate it. Here's something funny. So I've been doing these like taste testing videos where we do these countries around the world and gives me blind taste tests for food and for beer she's been incorporated. And she gave me two beers somewhat recently. And now I'm assuming you guys had this as well, but Heineken introduced a 0.0 non-alcoholic beer which they've been promoting here everywhere. And I've actually heard on some podcasts like, oh, you can't even taste the difference. Blind taste test. I tasted one of them and I went, yeah, I like that. That's good. And then I taste the second one. I went, huh. I don't know. Like it's a, it's a little flat. Like something's something's wrong. She goes, "Would you drink this again?" I'm like, "I guess I would drink it again, but like I don't know." And then it turns out the one I didn't love was the Heineken 0.0 and then the one I liked was Heineken, which I was so happy about. I think you should do one of these to one of your friends. Just get a Heineken 0.0 and pour it in a glass like, "Oh, what do you think?" And then, oh, something's wrong with this." Or see if they can like the Coke Pepsi challenge. Yeah, you see the thing is, I valued my life. I would like to remain alive to a certain extent. I'm a little bit of a nihilist. I can't decide whether I want the apocalypse to come or I don't want it to come, but 
I don't think in the time that I'm waiting for the apocalypse that I want to tempt my friends to kill me. It was actually a social media influencer because before the first lockdown, they told us they were going to lockdown. They didn't tell us that they were banning booze. So a whole bunch of people basically went out and emptied all the bottle stores. And there was this one social media influencer was like, guys, you know, I got my booze, I'm set. And then the next day he's like, guys, I bought 0% by mistake. What in God's name <laughs> It's great. What an idiot. You know, they've been making these really cool looking cans. You know, I had a friend on the podcast who doesn't drink anymore and I like to have a drink or something with them. So I went and got this craft beer, non-alcoholic drink and the can was one of the coolest things ever. The funny thing is in the store when I first saw it, I was drawn to it because of the can. And then when I looked at it, I went, non-alcoholic, this would be perfect for somebody. You know what I mean? Like you could easily be fooled by something like that. I make a point of reading all the labels, <laughs> so oh, I don't think well, I'm going to be pulled by anything. Well, you have to. That is crazy about the lockdown because here, alcohol sales have been through the roof. I mean, just booming. Wow, that is very interesting. Okay. Well, I think also it's because, I mean, when people really stuck at home, they don't really have much to do. I mean, I guess you can read a book, but at the same time, I guess a lot of people want to be um, distracted from their misery. I mean, this is just, it's such a crazy time in the world. I mean, last year, this time, we did not even think that this year, any year would turn out this way. We would never think that it would actually be mandated to stay in our houses, you know, under pain of being put in jail or, I mean, for us here, it's really hectic because we can't go shopping without having our hands sanitized at every single entrance of the store. You have, to, you have to wear a mask. If you don't have a mask, you're not getting let in. You need to get your temperature checked. You need to register yourself. So it's a vastly different experience from last year this time. Everything that happens along the, the timeline of 2020, people keep on saying like, 2020 couldn't get any worse. And then this happened. Mm-hmm. And I read a tweet online. I'm not taking credit for this. And the Borat movie came out recently. And mm-hmm. they said, I saw this tweet that said, as if 2020 couldn't get any worse. Now everybody's going to start talking with the Borat accent again. <laughs> That's yeah. great. My best friend to this day still goes, high five, high five. I mean, it's been 14 years. It's like, all right, all right, enough. It's it's it's, it's done with. That, that that would drive me crazy. That would absolutely drive me insane. It's, it's so, I, I feel like the whole Borat phenomenon is just... It's, it's entertaining, but at the, it's, it's annoying, but also entertaining at the same time. So yes. I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting. I've seen all the headlines around the movie and, you know, some of the mischief that he was up to. So I'm kind of like, hmm. I'm going to check yeah. it out. Maybe I do need a few laps. Yeah, I watched it. It's. It, I'll do a, a review probably later in a different podcast. It, it's good. It's more of the same. It's not laugh out loud funny as much as it's he's a comedic genius. And where he goes and what he does and how he's able to twist people into thinking what he wants. And he basically tries to see how gullible people can be. And he kind of does the, you know, the antithesis. He's always doing the contrarian belief to everything. You know, he starts off the movie, spoiler alert, on this rant about this new American dictator who is doing this and that and he's so terrible and he ruined the country his name Barack Obama and you're, I mean it's, it's such a tongue-in-cheek joke because you know he's talking about Trump but then he goes to Obama and you're like okay I mean if you're willing to put aside any just like just know he's just absolutely out of his mind it's not horrible but I can't say I'd ever watch it again oh I'm definitely gonna check it out I like checking out um, all the new stuff I like watching different types of things actually I mean my YouTube playlists is filled with documentaries on the most random things Roman legions, plague survivors, growing meat in labs. I mean, so I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I was watching uh, on Netflix this morning, the trial of the Chicago 7, which just the whole movie made me so angry. So angry. And I was watching it, I was like, what kind of court 
there's been a lot is happening, you know. Yeah, and that's also Sasha Baron Cohen is also in that, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did see him in it. Actually, I was a bit surprised when I saw him in it because I was like, wait, is this Sasha Baron Cohen? And I was really like squinting because, you know, like with all the stuff around Bharat coming out, it was kind of like, okay, you get that idea of um, Sasha Baron Cohen. And then you see him in this and it's kind of, he's, he's so good at like changing the way he looks. And also, I think maybe it's because I haven't watched a lot of his stuff because sometime this year I watched The Spy as well mm-hmm. on Netflix where he was um, an Israeli spy in I think the 60s or 70s you know but it's like I, I, I think the, the one thing I love about him is how flexible he is as an actor you know that he can play so many different roles and just bring you into each and every single one of them with so many very varying levels of intensity basically here's something that I'm a, I don't know if you know or not maybe some of our listeners you know as much as he makes fun of the Jews in all of his movies, you know when he's going back and forth between either the girl and the new movie and the guy, do you know that he speaks fluent Hebrew and he's like full-blown raised Jewish and everything and everything he's saying is in Hebrew? Uh, I, I kind of figured after watching The Spy, he was. <laughs> yeah. Well, even his Arabic was pretty... Um... It was, it was convincing. I mean, not to say that I know a great deal about Arabic. I, I feel like my my greatest knowledge in terms of Arabic comes from stuff that I watch on TV. There's um, an Israeli series as well called Fauda. Fauda's fantastic. Fauda's great. If, any, if anybody's never seen that, Fauda is so good. Yeah, I, I can't be like, Fauda was good. Fauda was good, but here's my problem. Uh-oh. When I watch Fauda... I was like, so they're all of these. Uh, there's so many like regular Palestinian people who are just living their lives, just not even doing anything. And then this bald headed Israeli guy comes and basically ruins their lives. I mean, to a great extent, because there were so many like bystanders or people on the periphery, you know, that were not, I guess, antagonists, you know, that got their lives kind of derailed. And I was like, oh, but this kind of makes me feel some type of way. But I like the, the context to that it gave me to a certain extent about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think that was, um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting perspective to feel. And I don't know if I was, if it was made on purpose that I was supposed to sympathize with some of the, 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 the Palestinian people, like the doc, the doctor, the, I forgot her name. Um, Cause I thought her story was really tragic and I was like, oh, shit, that sucks, you know, but, but Fado was good. I mean, it, it did teach me a lot of Arabic words as well, um, as well as a few um, Hebrew words as well. Kol Seder. All right, let's take this back to a more lighthearted part of the conversation. Something that I don't know if you know, but we finish up on our show here with a little bit of trivia. I try to pick trivia and trivia questions relevant to all my guests. I have a feeling you are going to smoke these questions, but I needed to make them easy enough that our listeners could also have a chance to participate in that. So Nicolette, are you ready for wine time trivia? No. <laughs> I suck at trivia. I'll help so you. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah. Five questions. I'll, I'm going to help you out. This is meant to be fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Question number one. How much wine is in a standard bottle? I'm looking for milliliters or ounces. Uh, 750 mils. That is very correct. Good job. Okay. Ooh. I want to start it off easy, I guess. Question number two. What is the most widely planted grape in the world? Hmm. And by grape, I mean, I guess I'm looking for the wine that it makes, or maybe it's the same type of grape. I really don't know. I don't know. That's actually, that's a very interesting question. I will tell you that more than 700,000 acres worldwide of this one specific grape. What do you think is the most popular um, wine? Come on. I think um, it's, it, it might be Chardonnay. I will tell you that it's a red. 
It's a red. Wait, actually, hold on. Is it a red? Yeah, I think oh. it's a red. Yeah, it's a red. Okay. It's a red. Then it is probably Merlot. Correct answer is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Really? A Cab Sav? Cab Sav, number one. This is, now, these are 2019 statistics. I apologize mm-hmm. if another wine has taken the lead in 2020. Probably mm-hmm. has. Who knows? You're doing great so far. Question number three. This is a little harder. I'm going to give you a little bit of a range on this one. How many grapes does it take to make a standard bottle of wine? Plus or minus 50. So as long as you're within 50 of the correct answer, you get the point. So how many grapes to make a bottle of wine? <laughs> <laughs> that Not- was such a random question. I don't think I've ever actually looked that up. Um, gosh. Um- well, I think this is very interesting. I was actually displaying this the other night to somebody. Have mm. you ever heard of ice wine before? Have you ever had it? It's super, super, super sweet. Ice wine? No. Google it. Ice wine. ice wine is a wine that I was at a vineyard in uh, Toronto last year, and they, these bottles come, they're so skinny. I would say they're maybe a foot tall, maybe two inches in diameter, maybe three, and it's called ice wine. And you pour yourself a half a glass, and that's it. It is so sweet. It's almost like honey nectar. It's not super thick, mm-hmm. but it's so sweet. And I remember hearing that it's like 2,000 grapes go into one bottle of ice wine. And so, that tiny little thing? Oh, gosh. I'm right. actually not quite sure. I mean, in a bottle of wine, I'd say, I don't know, probably 500, I'm guessing. I, I've never actually seen that side of winemaking, to be honest. So what you're saying is, here on Booze Your Daddy, we teach the wine professionals wine facts? Is that yeah, I, well, I, I guess I'm getting schooled today. Woo, taking you to school. All righty. Well, the correct answer was 200 grapes or about 2.5 pounds of grapes. So with plus or minus 50, you weren't still even close. That's okay. You know what? It was it was all right. I'm hoping to, I like to look at things very differently. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said they're interviewing a politician and I couldn't care less about their politics. And I said, are you going to ask them about what flavor ice cream they prefer the best? And the person goes, what? It's a serious interview. I said, yeah, but sometimes you got to go a little off the rails and because yeah. everybody loves ice cream, right? And you're a politician. You want everybody to love you. If you say rum raisin, you're going to lose votes, politician. Why would they lose votes for rum and raisin? I mean, okay, rum and raisin is not necessarily... It's not horrible. It's, uh, it's different, but it's not horrible. What's the worst flavor in your opinion? When you walk into an ice cream store, what would you say I'm never getting? And what would you say I'm always getting? I would never get strawberry anything. Oh my ice cream. God. I, I love strawberry. <laughs> I, I think it completely doesn't work. I always avoid strawberry ice cream. Um, if I was to get something, something that I definitely always get is I always get vanilla. Do you get like yeah. jimmies and stuff on top of it? Like, like top No, apes? I absolutely loathe those. I loathe sprinkles. I loathe funny things on my ice cream. I really do. You you get it's vanilla, sure. just regular old vanilla. Regular old vanilla, yeah, unless maybe it's got coating of like melted chocolates, then that's good. Um, we have something here called blueberry cheesecake ice cream, and I tend to also like that quite a bit. But back to your um, to your point, I think it is important to ask out of the box types of questions. I mean, I know when my company is interviewing people, I mean, we send them like a list of like a hundred plus questions, and some of them are like, "Who's your favorite superhero? What's your favorite movie? Do you drink tea or do you prefer coffee?" And you know, and that sort of thing. If you have any superpower, what would it be? Because I, I think kind of gives you context into, you know, people. All right. I'm glad you could learn something about make how to make a bottle of wine. You might need to put that in your book, a little addendum, if you will. Just saying. Yeah. Question number four. How fast can the cork fly out of a champagne bottle? Ah, oh, God, are you asking me mathematics? Skip. Next question. 
<laughs> this is that's not I how this game works. Physics. Yeah, I sucked in physics. Oh, well, I was that kid in physics class who was like, I do not need this right now in my life. This is not going to serve me as an adult. And now you're asking me about it. It's just a, it's a random two decades later. I would rather anybody take away from this. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So plus or minus 10 miles per hour. If you want, I can convert this to kilometers. But how how, how fast is in kilometers or in miles per hour? Plus or minus 20, we'll say. When the champagne comes out, when you open the bottle and we say, Happy New Year, how fast would you say that is? Okay, I'm just going to give a wild guess of like 15 kilometers an hour. It is 83 kilometers per hour. No wonder that. Oh, sorry. I was about to swear. You, well, you're allowed to swear. You know, you can say whatever you want on the show. I, I mark the episodes. Shit can give you like a, a black eye if it's pointed at you. Oh, definitely. I mean, remember we were comparing uh, the type of wine that you want to swipe left and swipe right and choke and all that stuff. I have so many more questions about that. But anyways, question number five. There's going to be more math in here, so hold on to your britches. Uh... How many bubbles are in a bottle of champagne? Plus or minus 10 million. People, somebody sat down and did this and posted on the internet and I found it. And now you have because to answer the question. They probably got paid to do this nonsense. Well, oh, you're God. getting paid to answer the question right now. I'll be sending everything, oh. you know, never. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to say maybe 10 million then. Yeah, that is such a who even who how do you measure bubbles? The correct wow. answer was forty nine million bubbles. Oh God! Okay, so now when I'm when I'm drinking champagne, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'll keep the forty nine bubbles down my. Nicolette, you hit the cork right on the head. I would hope that anybody listening to this would take from this. I always remember stuff. That's kind of my blessing and a curse is the next time I'm having champagne, I will turn to somebody and say, did you know that there's 49 million bubbles in there? And they'll go, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, 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 seriously. I read it on the internet. Yeah, no, I, I can actually understand that once a long time ago, this must have been more than a decade ago. Someone told me a really interesting analysis on cockroaches and I never, ever forgot about it. Ever. About what did you say? It was um, someone told me an interesting analysis on cockroaches, like how strong they are and stuff they can survive. And I never forgot that ever. Wow. Oh, interesting. Well, I will have to look into that. Nicolette, this has been so much fun having you here on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Before we sign off or whatever, please tell everybody where they can get your book. Is it an audio form? Because you have a lovely voice. You should definitely put that out there. Well, thank you very much for that. Right. So the name of the book is Wine for Mere Mortals. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. Um, Yep, that's the best place to get it from. And you can also reach out to me, you know, if you want to discuss more about wine. You can send me an email at Nicolette at wineformeimmortals.com. Wine for me. Well, I'm going to tag you in everything. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? I think the only thing that I would want to say is don't be intimidated by wine. I know it seems very bougie. It might seem a little bit complicated, but it honestly really isn't. And the whole reason why I wrote the book was to make it relatable to you. Everyone will find a type of wine that they like the same way that you have a different type of maybe meat that you prefer eating or a type of vegetable that you like. It's all about what your tongue likes in terms of flavor. One other thing is that in my wine book, I do have a wine map because I've noticed that one of the biggest problems that a lot of people have is they think that wine is going to taste like grape juice. And then, you know, they have a sip of it. They're like, oh gosh, this tastes terrible. And that's because usually they start with like the most dry wine. So I have a handy wine map in the book, which shows you which wine to start off with so that you can slowly start working your way towards some of the 
the more dry wines from the sweet wines. So don't be intimidated. It's an adventure. Just do it. Well, Nicolette, this has been a great time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody, make sure you're downloading our episodes. Give us a five-star review. Give us a good rating. Who's your daddy? Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Nicolette. We out.